Hey, if you have your Bible or there's one in front of you in the seat, uh, hey, let's open up to Acts 18. Let's turn to Acts chapter 18. And we're in the middle of a six-week series called Disciples Make. And uh, as followers of Jesus, that we are commanded... Uh, it's, it's an imperative command that, that we are called, we are commanded to make disciples, not a suggestion, not a request. We are commanded to make disciples. And it starts with preparing. Uh, farmers don't just walk out into a field one day and, and randomly start harvesting. It, it takes work. It takes time. It's, it's hard. You, you have to get the, the, the soil ready. You have to get your, your hands dirty. You have to prepare the soil. And then once the field's ready, it's, it's time to plant. Planting is not by accident. Uh, there's timing. There's spacing. Every seed is, is carefully planted in an exact spot. Well, after preparing, after planting, now it's time for watering. Today, I want us to, I want us to see what, what it looks like to water, what it looks like to water the, the gospel just as everyday, ordinary people. That, that's us, not the Apostle Paul, not, not Peter. His, his first sermon, 3,000 people were saved. That's, that's not us, uh, not, not the 12 disciples, not, not Jesus. Uh, someone Someone we can relate to, someone a little bit more like, like us. Uh, I want this morning to be simple and practical, relatable, because that's what watering is, right? Like, like let's not overcomplicate watering. Watering is very, very easy. This morning, we're going to follow a couple, a couple all the way through Scripture. Uh, this couple's married. We don't know their ages when we first meet them, but we're going to follow them for 15 years through the New Testament. This couple is mentioned in four books, four different books of the New Testament. They're mentioned by name six times. They're friends of Paul, and, uh, and they had such an impact, such an impact on the early church uh, that, the, that the Bible says that we today, that all churches, all Gentile churches, that means us, that we should be thankful for them. In some way, this couple has had an influence even on us today. Acts 18, start verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens. Well, after this just means after chapter 17. And in chapter 17, Paul's in Athens. He's, he's preaching the gospel. He's speaking. And, and he gets to the resurrection. He's talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And he, he gets laughed out of town. He, he gets mocked and ridiculed, made fun of. See, the Bible is so honest, it's so honest that not every person, as we share the gospel, as we, as we preach the gospel, that not every person will receive it, not every person will believe it, some will laugh at it. Paul is, is laughed out of Athens and he went to Corinth and he found a Jew named Aquila. All right, this, this is the husband. This is the husband of the couple. Aquila, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all of the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he, Paul, he, he reasoned, Remember that? He, he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade, we'll come back, remember that, he tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. 
What do we know? We, we know that this couple is, is Aquila and Priscilla, that they are, are married. They are living in the, the city of Corinth. But this isn't their home. Um, their home is, is from Rome, that, that they were displaced from Rome, kicked out of Rome, and had to move to the city of, of Corinth. So this is about 16 years after Acts chapter 1 after the ascension of, of Jesus. 16 years later, Claudius, he's the emperor of Rome, and, and the Jews, the, the Christian community is growing, and Claudius, the emperor of Rome, does not like that, so he says, get out. He, he kicks all of the Jews out, sends this, this edict to, to have the Jewish Christian community leave exiled from Rome. So Priscilla and Aquila, they pack up their family, they pack up their business, they move from Rome, they set sail across the sea to a new country, to the city of, of Corinth. And what are they doing? Well, the text says that, that they have a trade. They, they're tent makers, they, they make tents. During this time, the, the Roman government um, had, had military bases stationed all over its empire, and so they needed a lot of tents, portable housing. And so Aquila and Priscilla are making tents, selling these tents back to the government. Uh, the Apostle Paul was also a tent maker. That's why he found them. He sought them out and stayed with them. Um, but canvas tents, can, canvas tents did not work, all right? Like in the northern climate, it's, it's too cold, it's too wet. Uh, ice, snow, uh, they, needed, they needed leather tents. That's what Paul, that's what Aquila, that's what Priscilla, that was the business, that's what they made, leather tents. Yeah, canvas tents don't, don't really work. Um, growing up, uh, I was probably seven or eight, my family, we went camping in Yellowstone and, uh, and, and we had this like old, like army style, like military surplus, like green canvas tent. My, my grandpa was a Marine. He, he gave us this tent. I mean, the thing like weighed like 90 pounds. We're in Yellowstone. We were the only ones in this campground. It's the last week of May, the only ones in this campground. And, and it snows that night. Like I remember waking up. I mean, I'm seven or eight, still remember waking up. And like we took turns, like, like blowing on the frozen zipper because we were stuck inside of this canvas tent. The canvas doesn't work. Uh, all night long, there's, there's snow falling from the tree limbs, and I, I'm sleeping. But, but, so my mom says, she is up all night thinking there are hungry, hibernating, just woke up, circling bears all around the tents, right? And here we are, we're frozen, trapped inside this green canvas tent. Canvas does not work. They, they're making leather tents. And Paul comes to Corinth, searches this couple out, finds them. And, and you read this and you almost get the impression that like, he just, he just kind of moves in, <laughs> like he, he found them. And it says that they, they stayed together, they worked together. It's just like Paul totally finds them, moves in. They find themselves with a new roommate, new business partner. Hey, how does this apply to us? We want to be the kind of people who water the gospel wherever God takes us. But let's put ourselves in their shoes that, that I'm guessing the city of Corinth wasn't on their business plan. Like persecution from Rome dra drove them away from their homeland. Like they, they had to leave everything they knew, friends, family, all of their business connections. They, they left everything, packed up, set sail across the sea, landed in the city of Corinth. They are completely starting over. This, this isn't a promotion. Going to the city of Corinth, this, this has to, as a Christian couple, this, this has to be outside of their comfort zone. 
I mean, the city of Corinth, we know the reputation. This is a hard city. This is a dark city. This, this is a rough city. It's a port city. It's, it's on the ocean. So maybe it could have been good for their business and, and shipping and distribution for their tents. But, but this is not the kind of place a young couple wants to move to, to raise a young family. But here's the beauty that, 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 that God is working that God is, is preparing them here in this environment, here in this city, that, that he did not allow Aquila and Priscilla to, to stay in Rome with their, with their, their family, to, to be growing comfortable with their, their tent-making business, that, that God has a completely different plan, something that's so much bigger, something that's so way beyond them that, that he picks them up, he moves them to a new city that, that God all the time is working behind the scenes because he's preparing them. But it doesn't make it easy because at the time, they don't know this. Hey, church, that, that God is preparing you. Like, like right now, like in the circumstances of your life that God is preparing you for something more, something you don't know about, something that he has in store for you, something that's coming down the road, maybe years or decades from now that God is preparing you in your life right now in the circumstances that behind the scenes, he is orchestrating things for you, for something more. See, the last few years, there, there's been a lot of shifting. There's been a lot of changing in, in culture and society and, and new jobs and, and new homes and, and maybe moving, moving to a new city or a new school or, or a new stage of life. And, and I think as, as Christians, I think for us as a local church, I, I really believe that as a church that, that we want to be a people who are on mission, that, that we want our, our lives to be about a, a purpose that's bigger than ourselves, that we want to be going after something where, where God is working in us and that God is working through us. But what I love about Aquila and Priscilla, they're not waiting. They're, they're not delaying. They're not saying, well, once, once we get our business figured out, once we get our business going, well, well, well then we'll, uh, once, once the kids are raised, well, once the kids finally get out of the house, well, well then we'll have time to, uh, once we move back home, once, once we finally get back to Rome where we want to be, well, well then we'll get involved. Like, they're not delaying. See, Aquila and Priscilla realize that they are, they are connecting ministry to everyday life because life is ministry. And it's, and it's in this moment, like they're living in the city of Corinth and the city is crazy. And, and we're trying to get our business up and going. And we're, we, don't, we don't really even know people. We, we don't know what we're doing. We, we don't have it all together. We haven't figured it out. And, and now this guy wants to live with us. But they believed that, that, that God is preparing them, that the Lord has a plan. And so they're, they're trusting this, that, that, that they're not waiting and delaying ministry, but no, life is ministry, that they, they have opportunities right in front of their face. So they say, yes, like, like I'm all in. That's the kind of people we want to be. The kind of people who are watering these tiny little gospel seeds wherever God places us. And we want to be the kind of people who water longer than we expect. Look at verse 18, Acts 18, verse 18. It says, after this, 
Paul stayed many days longer. Verse 11 says that, that he stayed in Corinth for 18 months. And so many days longer is on top of, of 18 months. Uh, then, he, then he took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And look at this. And with him, who? Priscilla and Aquila. So why did Paul stay longer? Paul was ready to move. Like he was ready to get to the next city. He, he was ready to leave Corinth. Like he, he was done. But the Lord shows up to him in a vision one night in this, this dream and tells Paul, red letter Bible, he tells Paul, I have many people in this city, the city of Corinth, who are my people. So Paul stays. He stays many days longer. Hey, maybe you've been, maybe you've been, been pouring into, into family, pouring into friends, right? Pouring into to coworkers, neighbors. You, you've been pouring and, and you don't even see a tiny little sprout. You don't see green. Maybe you have been for, for years pouring and watering and waiting and watching for, for God to show up and, and work, but, but there's nothing there. Many days longer. See, that's what we're called to do. That we align our expectations with what scripture actually says. That, that it takes many days longer. And, and here's the key with, with watering. With, with watering, um, you, can, you can't water too much, right? Like, like you can't just like, like water too much. You, you water too much, you will, you'll drown the plant, right? But, but you, can't, you can't also like just, just like water too little, like if you water too little, like the seed will, will shrivel up, the plant will wither, it'll, it'll die. And so the key to watering is, is many days longer. See, it's not about watering too much. It's not about watering too little. It's, it's about timing. It's, it's really about your, your watching. You're, you're, you're watching and, and you're, you're then, you're waiting. Like you're not watering every day. You're not watering all day. It's not this flurry of activity. It's, maybe once a week. That's about right, right? Watering a plant. You're watching and you're waiting to see where God is working. And then you're watering. Not too much, not too little, like just right. See, we, we, long, we water longer than we expect, many days longer. Do you know it's verse, verse 18? Uh, who, whose name of this couple, whose name comes first? Priscilla, the wife of six times that this couple is mentioned in scripture, always together, never alone, always together. Priscilla, the wife's name is mentioned first four times. That's not just interesting. That, that's, that's important that, that here in a Jewish culture in the first century, that, that scripture is highlighting the, the emphasis of, of ministry, of, of getting more credit to, to this wife, to this woman, to Priscilla in her ministry. Jump to verse, verse 19, verse 19. And, and they, uh, Priscilla, Aquila, and Paul, and, and they came to Ephesus. And he, Paul, left them. He, he left Priscilla and Aquila there. But he himself went to the synagogue and, and, and listen, he, he reasoned, reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay for a, a longer period, right? 
many days longer, he, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. All right, let's, let's look at the map. What, what do we know? That Paul is, is in the city of Corinth, that, that he meets up, he, he moves in with this couple, Aquila, Priscilla. They, they've been there for 18 months, a year and a half, plus many days longer, maybe two years. And then it's time, they, they set sail. This time, Aquila and Priscilla go with Paul, moving not just across to a new city, not just across to a new country, a new continent. They go to the continent of Asia in the city of Ephesus. And here, Priscilla and Aquila, they, they pack up their life. They, they go with them. And, and the first thing when they land in Ephesus, Paul tells them, hey, you stay here. And if God wills, I'm going to come back to you. For the next year, Paul leaves them. He goes to Jerusalem. Paul leaves, the, like, can you imagine that? Like, like, like Paul moves in with you. He's, he's hanging out there for two years, working together. He, he, you travel with him, like you uproot your life. You go with him. And the first thing you land and he says, okay, stay here and I'm leaving you. See, he has been preparing them in the city of Corinth. He's, he's now working in and through them in the city of, of Ephesus. And, and like, I mean, if that was me, like, Paul, when are you coming back? Like, like, if God wills, you'll return. Like, that's not very clear to me. Like, like Paul, when are you, when you coming back? Like, God is preparing them. That they are going to be here by themselves in Ephesus for a year. Finally, Paul will come back to them and they're gonna stay in Ephesus for the next three years, that Priscilla and Aquila are gonna be in Ephesus for the next four years. See, the gospel can be planted in a moment, right? It, it just takes one conversation, that's all, one conversation. That God can work miracles overnight. We believe that. He, he can transform a life in a second. He, he can save souls in a second, in an instant. He, he can do that, but usually takes time. Watering, watering, watering. Time spent watching and waiting and, and praying and seeing God work, sometimes it takes years. You're watching, you're waiting, watering, not, not too much, not too little. We, we need to be the kind of people who are ready to water longer than we expect. For the last, uh, for the last two years, I've, I've been helping coach uh, football uh, with my son. This is fourth and, and fifth grade. And it's just been so good to be around some other dads, some other families, and have opportunities just to be planting these, these tiny little gospel seeds. And a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was standing on the sidelines uh, during a scrimmage, and uh, one of the, the dads um, comes up to me. We were, we were coaching together last year, had, had boys on the same team, and he comes up to me, and he, and he looks at me, and he says, so you're a pastor, right? It's, 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 it's been over a year, um, and we, we, we've talked about church. I've, I've told him about Radiance. He knows where we are. He, he knows what I do. He, he knows about this, this place. Uh, but this time he, he says, so, so you're a pastor, right? 
what's your church like? Oh, that's a new question. It's taken a year. Watering takes time. It doesn't just happen one time. Many days longer. Well, I invited this dad to come last week to the All Together Sunday. Actually, I invited his family to come twice, um, and they didn't come, and that's okay. The next Saturday, so this is like two weeks ago, the next Saturday, I'm standing on the same sidelines, almost in the exact same spot. This time, a mom comes up to me. This mom comes up to me and says, hey, uh, um, there's, there's someone I, I work with, and, and they go to your church, and well, they were telling me about this all together Sunday. Like, can my son come with you to your all together Sunday? Like, I really want for him to see what your church is like. Yeah. <laughs> see, what, what's happening is there's, there's a woman, Holly, from our church who is, is at her workplace, who is faithfully planting these tiny little gospel seeds. And my family just happens to be friends with this same family and that we have the opportunity to be watering these gospel seeds. There's a verse in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that says, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. He, it's, it's, it's not about Paul. It's, it's, it's not about Apollos. It's, it's not about Holly. It's, it's not about my family. It's, it's not about us. Corinthians says that, that we are nothing. It's, it's not about us. It's about God who brings the growth. That, that we are just simply called to be planters and waterers. That, that we don't know what's going to happen. That the results are not up to us. That it's, it's not about us. We're just called to faithfully plant and water the gospel seeds, trusting that in ways we don't see, ways we don't always know, sometimes we have a front row seat, but God is working. Man, planting and, and watering like, like, like this, like what I'm talking about, like it's, it's not awkward. <laughs> like it, it's not forced. I mean, these, these are friends. These, these are coworkers. Like this is, this is simply talking with people we know, talking with people we care about, about the things that we love and inviting them to join us in the things that we are a part of. It's what it is. See, we want to be the kind of people who, who water through conversations. Look at verse 24, Acts 18, verse 24. Water through gospel conversations. And now a Jew named Apollos this is the same guy we just mentioned. Paul planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. Uh, now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, uh, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures, and he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being, listen, fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. And he began to, look, speak boldly, boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. See, Paul planted and Apollos watered. 
Hey, question, who watered Apollos? It's Priscilla and Aquila. That, that, that Paul leaves them in Ephesus and they're making tents, selling tr- tents, that they're, they're living here in Ephesus. Paul's left, here they are, and Apollos shows up. Apollos, uh, uh, he's from Alexandria. That, that's like saying he's from Harvard. Um, highly intellectual, highly trained. Says he's competent in the scriptures. Uh, he's an eloquent man, fervent. He's, he preaches boldly. Um, some scholars even believe that Apollos might be the person who, who wrote the book of, of Hebrews. Uh, but, but there's a problem. Uh, he, Apollos doesn't know about the baptism he only knew the baptism of, of John. So he's, he's preaching Jesus. He, he knows the gospel. He's, he's preaching the cross. He's, he's preaching the resurrection. But, but Apollos doesn't know about Pentecost. He, he doesn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. He, he doesn't know that the Holy Spirit has, has come. He only knows the baptism of John. He, he doesn't know that the Holy Spirit inside you is actually better than Jesus beside you. So, so what do they do? Verse 26, when, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, when they heard Apollos, they took him aside. The NIV translates this as a, they, they invited him into their home and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. See, they didn't, they didn't call him out for heresy and rebuke him on stage. They, they came alongside. They took him aside they invited him into their home. They, they, they sat down and, and they had a conversation. This is a book that's been helpful for me. It's called uh, Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out. Uh, evangelism, the way you were born to do it. Uh, what if I told you evangelism is, is less about delivering a polished presentation and more about having a real conversation? What if I told you that God has already given you the skills you need to begin sharing the good news of the gospel today? Evangelism, or I'd say making disciples, is is less about a program and more about connecting with others as they try to understand the chaos of their daily lives. See, I think we, we, just, we just get so stressed out. We, we just get so stressed out with, with the overwhelming number of details, thinking that, that we have to get like all of, all of the information perfectly right. And we freak out. If you're, if you're watering the gospel, most of your conversations are not gonna be about trying to solve the problem of evil. They're gonna be, What's your church like? You don't have to be an amazingly skilled speaker or have remarkable presentation skills. You simply have to engage in conversations, something we do daily. If you read the book of Acts, you'll find few people were called to preach to crowds. People like Peter, Paul, Barnabas, but ordinary believers like, can I just say like, like us, like, like ordinary believers, like Priscilla and Aquila had conversations with others, telling people they met the good news they found in Christ. See, most, most people live between two poles, passion and pain. And, and we all find ourselves living somewhere in this spectrum between passion and pain. 
and life evolves and it, and it carries us in between these two poles of passion and pain. I'm passionate about my kids. I'm, I'm passionate about coaching right now. I'm passionate about football right now. And this, this opens up conversations to other dads who are passionate about the same thing. And so we, we relate because our lives have intersected in our passions. There's, there's overlap and commonality and it makes it very easy. And when there's pain, when there's pain, because pain's coming. And when there's pain, I, I, I pray that these, these same friends are, are open and receptive to the hope and the good news of the gospel. We need to be the kind of people who water the tiny little gospel seeds through our conversations and through our home. Turn to 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19. We want to be the kind of people, the kind of church, the kind of place that, that, that waters the gospel with our home. 1 Corinthians uh, 16, Paul, Paul is ending his letter to the Corinthians. He's, he's wrapping up this, this letter and uh, he's including a, a greetings to a lot of, of friends. Uh, he's wrapping up this letter, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19. It says, the churches of Asia, right? Like not just a new city, not just a new country, like a whole new continent. And look at this, like the churches, like the church is growing, it's, it's multiplying, it's spreading. It's gone beyond Ephesus. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscia. Uh, Priscia, this, this is her formal name. Priscilla is a nickname, it's a friend name. Aquila and Priscia, together, look, with the church in their house, sends you a hearty greetings in the Lord. What do we know? We, we know that Paul is, is writing the letter to the Corinthians, and he's writing this letter from Ephesus. So Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila, they, they've been here in Ephesus uh, three years for Paul, four years for Priscilla and Aquila, and they're writing this letter back to their former church, the church of Corinth, writing back to friends. And so here in this letter that, that Paul adds on at the very end of his message, not just a greeting from him, but a greeting from Priscilla and Aquila. Like they're sending a hearty greeting. They're saying hi back to their friends at the church of Corinth. But it's not just Priscilla and Aquila. It's also the church that is meeting in their house. Hey, church, are, are you using your home as a place to hide and escape and isolate? Or are you using your home as a place to share your life and, and open up the doors of the gospel? The simplest way to change the world. Like that's, that's quite the title. The Simplest Way to Change the World, this is a book on biblical hospitality, says the simplest way to make disciples, uh, deep down, every Christian wants to make a difference. Like that's true, right? Like we, we want to make a difference for the gospel, don't we? That deep down, every Christian wants to make a difference, but for many, the years come and the years go and not much changes. Biblical hospitality is an easy way to make the leap. Since many would, would rather enter a living room than a church, it's, it's a natural and effective way to build relationships for Christ. Amen. Hospitality gets a bad rap. It conjures up images of, of dinner parties and doilies. 
Uh, but these, uh, these authors blow up that picture and replace it with a biblical picture of hospitality, one that will fire your imagination and inspire you to act. Simplest way to change the world. See, here's the great thing. When, when, we, when we invite somebody into our home, they can see our home's pretty boring. Like, we, we don't have idols and altars like, we, we don't have weird Christian things, like, floating and hanging around. Like, like, our kitchen looks like their kitchen. Like, we're not Amish. We have a TV. We have Wi-Fi. Like, we're, we're normal people, right? Like, the, the hardest part, the hardest part of hospitality, it's inviting. The hardest part of hospitality is asking. But what's the worst that could happen? Well, they could say No but at least they've been invited. And who doesn't want to be invited? Everybody wants to receive an invitation. Everybody wants to know that, that they've been thought of and, and invited to something. Here's a Colts game. Colts game coming up. Colts play the Chiefs. So, so it's, it's, it's helpful to have some emotional intelligence and self-awareness. Like if watching the Colts game like is a little too intense for you and your family, like that may not be the best first impression to invite somebody, right? But Taco Tuesday, like everybody likes tacos. Friday night, movie night, game night, pizza night. Like if, if you have little kids, like, like moms, like hey, have a play date at your house, Right? And it's okay if it's messy. <laughs> like, that's what parenthood is. <laughs> we don't have to look like we have it all together. We don't have to look like everything's always under control. Like, invite people into your life, not just your house. It's okay if it's a mess. You don't need to have a large home. Hey, if you're in a neighborhood, have a block party. If you're on a cul-de-sac or on a street, get some friends together, get some families together, like have a block party, like, like be the kind of house that people actually want to go to that party, right? Like this doesn't mean we, we, we tape like Bible verses on water bottles and hand them out. Just, just have a really good party that people want to come to and want to be a part of, right? Because it takes many days longer. A book club, a movie night, birthday parties, holidays, people are looking for things to be a part of. Halloween, man, Halloween's coming up. Uh, we, 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 we could be hanging out in our driveways instead of hiding behind our doorbell. We, we could have a fire pit outside with some bag chairs and just hanging out, meeting people, saying hi, having fun. That's how we permeate. Like that, that's how we get outside of our comfortable living rooms and that's how we permeate the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel. And it's simple and it's practical, it's relatable. Is your home a place where you are planting and watering the gospel? See, I think we, we, we tend to overcomplicate what it looks like to make disciples. Turn back a few pages to Romans. Romans 16, Romans 16, verse 3. This, this is the very end of, of Paul's letter to the Romans. He spends almost the whole last chapter in just these personal greetings and final instructions writing. Because we want to be the people like Priscilla and Aquila. We want to be the kind of people who are ready to water the gospel by taking risks. Romans 16 verse 3 says, Greet Priscilla. Again, the, the wife's name comes first. 
her formal name. Greet Prisia and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life. To whom not only I give thanks, but, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. So what do we know? Let's, let's look at the map that, that Paul is writing now back to the Romans. This is two years later that, that Priscilla and Aquila have left Ephesus. They've, they've gone back home to their homeland. They've gone back to Rome. Emperor Claudius has been replaced. The Jews are welcome to come back. So Priscilla and Aquila leave Ephesus. They sail back to the city of Rome. Paul leaves Ephesus. He's now writing from Corinth. He's writing from the city of Corinth and he's writing the letter to the Romans. God has been preparing this couple over the years. 15 years of of being kicked out, right, of their homeland, displaced, exiled to this hard city in the city of Corinth for two years. But God is preparing, that God is growing. He is stretching them out of their comfort zone. He then picks them up and they travel with with Paul, leaves them. They're there for the next four years. And finally now coming back home. And look who's in their house. That the church is meeting in their house in Rome just like Apollos came to their house in Ephesus, just like the church of Ephesus met in their house. And and every time Priscilla and Aquila, every time that they are moving from city to country to continent, every time they're opening up their house for the sake of the gospel, like they are risking their necks. They are putting a target on their back. Planting the seeds of the gospel requires risk. Not every seed will grow. Seeds are only the potential. That's that's really all a seed is. There's no promise of a seed that it'll grow. There's there's no guarantee. That we we have no certainty that when we when we carefully plant and and then faithfully many days longer over time water this seed, there's no absolute certainty that this seed will even grow. It's just the potential. Because it's not about us. It's about God who is the one who brings the growth. It's about God is the one who is working in that seed, right? That bringing it from potential to to having this tiny little sprout begin to emerge from the ground. That, That we cannot force that. We cannot cause that. We cannot create that. That's the work that the Lord does. But it requires risk on our part. And meeting the Lord with where he's at and coming along and faithfully watering these seeds so that he can do his work. It requires risk. Evangelism as as Exiles um, by Elliot Clark uh, wrote this uh, drawing from from ideas from 1 Peter, uh, wrote this as a a missionary in a Muslim-majority nation, Um, So helpful. I'm going to read a few paragraphs here. Such such a good thought and a challenge uh, for us as as a church. For some time now, American Christians have conceived of their witness in terms of, quote, sharing the gospel. Read any book or listen to any talk on personal evangelism, and you'll inevitably encounter the phrase, on the one level, the the terminology is positive. 
conveying the gracious act of God, uh, uh, the gracious act of giving others a treasure we possess. However, if by sharing, we imply a kind of charity where we only give the gospel to willing recipients, then our Christian vernacular has become a problem, especially since the Bible rarely uses such language to describe the act of evangelism. Throughout the book of Acts, we find repeated examples of authoritative witnesses, even in the face of suffering from the apostles in the early church. We find them proclaiming the gospel and speaking boldly. We read of them persuading others. We see them reasoning from scripture, both expounding and also applying it. We observe them testifying before rulers and governors, bearing witness before civil crowds and angry mobs. What we don't find them doing is, quote, sharing the gospel. It'd be no different from a baseball coach who, who consistently described the role of pitchers in terms of tossing the ball. In practice or a game, whenever his pitchers were, were struggling to get a batter out, what, what if the dominant instruction was to simply toss the ball? Not throw strikes, not work the corners, not change speeds, not pound it inside, just, just toss the ball. Would the pitchers have an accurate understanding of their responsibility? But that's basically the way we talk about evangelism. Our description is overly simplistic. It lacks precision and nuance. And, and when that becomes our default instruction to simply share the gospel, we fail to convey the attitude, approach, and authority necessary for the act itself. Thus, what started as a subtle change in terminology results in a massive shift in our whole ethos of evangelism. See, we, we can think of, of making disciples and equate this with, with sharing the gospel, but, but this assumes that we have something that other people want. That, that I can share this book with you. I, I have this book, and if you don't have a copy of this book, I, as a willing recipient, I, I can give you a copy of this book. But here's the problem with evangelism. Most people don't want the gospel. They may not be a, a willing recipient. They may not be a willing participant. And, and so more than, just, more than just sharing, this is how the Bible talks about it. It uses words of warning, pers uh, persuading like Paul, reasoning like Paul, defending, pleading, proclaiming, calling. Apollos spoke about it as, as, as fervently and boldly. See, sometimes sharing just isn't enough sometimes it requires the authority and the urgency and that unafraid witness requires us to risk our necks. Finally, watering, watering ends with remembering. Watering ends with remembering. Here's the last verse. You don't have to turn. You can just listen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 19 uh, says, Greet Priscia, Aquila, and the household of Anisiphorus. Last time, what do we know? This, this is the very end of Paul's life, the last letter that he writes. And uh, this is now 15 years later after meeting Priscilla and Aquila. And he's writing this letter from Rome that Paul is under house arrest. He's left Corinth. He's under house arrest living in Rome. Priscilla and Aquila are also living in Rome. The church is meeting in their house. Here at the end, Paul Paul lists 17, 17 uh, people by name 
But he only greets three of them and two of them, Priscilla and Aquila. It's because he hasn't forgot. He hasn't forgot the impact of this couple 15 years later because watering leads to remembering. For Priscilla and Aquila, their, their goal was not to be remembered. It's not like they started out this journey trying to think how, how can they leave a legacy? Like this is written from the perspective of Paul. And he just sees this couple who, who so faithfully spent their lives taking risks, traveling and moving, who, who are watering these tiny little gospel seeds, who faithfully just poured themselves out year over year And Paul remembers them, and and the church of Corinth remembers them, the church of Ephesus remembers them, the the church of Rome remembers them, and and, and, and now this this, this gospel and this this church is is growing, and it's spreading, and and it's multiplying, and it says that every Gentile church will give thanks for the ministry of Priscilla and Aquila, that God is working, that Jesus is building his church, and it is growing and growing and growing. And key to this, just this simple couple, this, this ordinary, everyday, simple, practical, relatable Priscilla and Aquila spent their life watering and watching and waiting. God's working. Let's pray. Lord, you are the one who, who promises to, uh, to will and to work. Lord, that, that we cannot will anyone into a relationship with you. Lord, that's something that only you can do. That, Lord, that you, you supernaturally use people, people like us, people like your church, God, people here on, on the west side to, to be a kind of people who, who make you known, a kind of people who, who take the gospel, who, who are not only just living it, but the kind of people who are inviting others into to be a part of it. Lord, that, that we can talk about these truths in a way that is, that is comfortable, conversational, Lord, and yes, sometimes this requires risk. Lord, and it can be scary. There can be fear of, of embarrassment or shame. Or, but Lord, that's why when you command us to make disciples, you promise to be with us. That you say that, that I will be with you always to the end of the age. God, that your spirit goes with us. Lord, as a word of, with the word of God, as the people of God, filled with the spirit of God, may we be these kinds of people, people who make you known, people who share you, who talk about you, who delight in you. Lord, may people see that and place their hope and their faith and their trust in you.